0: And welcome back to the Finance Now Podcast. This podcast is purely for informational and educational purposes, and it's my way of sharing my knowledge, research, and opinions with you. I'm Anurag Birla, and today I want to explore something that I'm very curious and passionate about streaming and the entertainment industry. More specifically, I want to look at Q1 and Q2 guidance from some of the big names, going back to Netflix, Paramount, Warner Brothers Discovery, and of course, Disney and also talk about how the streaming industry has or is shaping up. So let's start with Netflix. It's been a while since they reported their earnings. It was April 18th. To summarize, they basically met analyst expectations when it came to revenue and earnings. Shares tanked 10% on the profit outlook going forward, but they did recover to a smaller loss subsequently. They added about 1.75 million subscribers during the quarter, which is a significant decrease from nearly 8 million subscribers added in the previous quarter. Their earnings guidance for Q2 fell short of expectations, and for the first time, they refused to provide guidance for subscriber expectations. So overall, we see a slowdown in new subscribers, which is understandable given the number of streaming services out there at the moment and subscription fatigue is a real problem nowadays. In 2022, Netflix for the first time saw a decrease in subscribers, so let's look at how they've addressed it. They decided to roll out an ad tier, a less expensive membership tier that has ads, and they've also initiated their password sharing crackdown, which for the long term seems to be a big opportunity. For context, about 43% of its user base share accounts, which has supposedly affected Netflix's bottom line and their ability to invest in new content. They've been running some trials in different regions and I guess results are looking encouraging. Greg Peters, co-CEO, mentioned that he believes subscribers will initially cancel but eventually return by signing up for their own accounts, likening it to a price increase. It's clear that Netflix is prioritizing profitability over subscriber growth. I mean, with an already massive subscriber base of over 232 million, I think that's a much better priority to ensure they're actually maximizing revenue out of their active subscribers. After the whole love is blind live stream troubles, whether they expand more of their offerings into the live streaming space as, as well as you know, another question entirely about the, the direction, trajectory of, of the business, but with Netflix, though, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. I guess management has refused to provide specifics on, you know, ad-tier forecasts and some other forward-looking information as well. But with all these changes, I mean, we have to expect better profitability. A short-term contraction in subscribers and revenue, but a long-term growth in all aspects, including net income, would cement Netflix's position as a dominant player in the streaming industry. Sticking with the theme of of the the podcast, let's let's talk about Paramount Global. Last week shares fell over twenty-eight percent after a weak earnings report and a dividend cut. Both earnings and revenue missed analyst estimates, and as far as the dividend cut goes, the company is cutting its quarterly dividend from twenty-four cents a share to five cents a share. Almost an eighty percent cut. Now, that's the first time since 2009 that Paramount has reduced its dividend. I to put, into, to put into context, I totally understand the necessity of this move. But it just doesn't look good, does it? Their traditional TV revenue was down 8% in the quarter. Film studio division revenue dropped 6% year over year. And as Paramount tried to stabilize their streaming business and cut losses there, the dividend cut seems like... A necessary move in order to save cash. Of course, as investors, nobody likes dividend cuts, especially ones of eighty percent. But I think it speaks volumes as to where Paramount are as a as a business, and you know how they are faring in in the streaming race. CEO Bob Bakish mentioned that the company is hoping to stop streaming losses by the end of twenty twenty four with this year being the peak for losses in Paramount streaming business. Paramount Plus, which is what their streaming business is called, revenue for Paramount Plus grew 65% year over year and it reached 60 million subscribers. But their direct to consumer unit losses widened from 456 million a year ago to 511 million. They also incurred a $1.7 billion loss in connection to integrating Showtime with Paramount Plus. With Paramount, though their streaming service has potential. I mean, I, I guess purely based on everything they're they're involved in, the access to their originals, you know, various other movies and TV shows, and sports as well. I mean, through CBS, they have the Formula One deal, the NFL, the Champions League, IPL, and golf, which is all part of their um, their CBS offering, their package offering. And you know, for someone like me who's an avid sports fan. That would probably be enough to tempt me to subscribe they also have south park which which i love so much that i decided to name this podcast episode after a south park episode overall they they just don't look like they're in a good position at the moment as a business um i mean a lot to sort out in terms of making the streaming business profitable but i i do think they have the content um, they have they have I guess the core ingredients it's it's just a question of navigating you know that ship now and whether they can do it in a timely and successful manner. Warner Brothers Discovery announced a wider first quarter loss despite their u s streaming business finally turning a profit. The stock closed four point5 percent higher last Friday. And for those that aren't aware, Warner Brothers Discovery owns HBO Max and Discovery Plus, but are launching a new service that combines the two of them, calling it Max. Pricing will be exactly the same as current HBO Max plans, and it should launch May 23rd, if I'm not wrong. Now, while the U.S. direct-to-consumer segment turned a profit, the international streaming business still lost money. CEO David Zaslav mentioned that the segment will break even by 2024 and be profitable in 2025 and he's aggressively cut on content spending in order to jumpstart that profitability. He seems fairly confident about his timeline, which um, is a good sign, but also I guess we have to uh, take into consideration that these are just his projections. Um, much like Paramount, Warner Bros. Discovery also has exposure to, you know, various different streams, news, sports, which hasn't yet been added to um, the max package. They also look like they have a diverse range of assets and content. And, you know, as the industry pivots to predominantly streaming away from cable TV, they look well positioned to turn profitability. Purely in terms of content, I would say Warner Brothers Discovery are winning the battle. Um, I mean, the likes of, you know, Succession, Game of Thrones, House of Dragons Now, um, the entire Harry Potter franchise. And, you know, I, they own DC as well. If they can sort themselves out with DC, um, it would add so much. And I guess altogether it builds up to a lot of potential in terms of the kind of content that they can create and monetize based on their competitive positioning, restructuring and their now better looking finances for the streaming segment, they look like they're on the rise here. They look like they're on the up. And if if they can achieve their targets of profitability by 2025 while maintaining quality over quantity in terms of shows and content, they'll be incredibly well positioned a few years down the line. Now, I, I can't talk about entertainment and not include Disney in the discussion, uh, so let's talk about them. Disney released earnings on Wednesday, 10th of May this week, and after hours, the stock was down about 5%, and the next day dropped to about 8.5%. I just For a second, I just want to stray away from the theme of streaming um disney parks continue to be a strong positive with an operating income of 2.17 billion no surprise there as you know i guess people still seem to be on that you know post pandemic high and you know want to be going out and getting that in-park experience the trend was also you know evident with universal studios at comcast so no surprise there with the parks but going back to to their streaming business, you know what may have spooked investors was the fact that the Disney Plus subscriber numbers actually missed expectations amidst amidst the recent price hike. Uh, I mean, they didn't just miss expectations; they actually the service actually lost four million paid subscribers during the quarter, which was the biggest drop ever especially when, you know, compared to estimates of an increase in subscribers by 1.7 million. It's weird because obviously the loss of subscribers is not ideal at all, given that Netflix are still gaining subscribers and so are the other competitors. But, you know, their streaming segment losses reduced and their financial performance did seem somewhat better. Bob Iger the ceo who returned at the end of last year has been incredibly focused on profitability and margins which is not a bad deal given that the the company's direct-to-consumer division had spent you know 33 billion on content last year iger's been working on multiple revenue streams with price hikes and much like netflix uh disney of disney plus have launched the ad tier Disney is also going to be removing some of its content. So quite like Warner, they're shifting to a lower volume but higher quality bracket. They're also going to be bundling Hulu Plus with Disney Plus into a single streaming app, which I think is a great idea because people are probably getting exhausted with some of Disney's content. I mean... They have been so heavily reliant on you know franchises like Marvel and Star Wars that you know going to Disney plus for new content is is almost unheard of. No people usually go back to Disney for for like nostalgic reasons or to watch something that you know they've seen before and are familiar with and wanted to kind of rewatch or stay in that world so I think. This bundling with Hulu Plus is is going to help Disney in terms of their subscribers because they, they probably want to expand the type of content that, that they're releasing as well. I mean, the overall streaming industry seems to be in an interesting phase of its life cycle. It's grown at an incredibly rapid rate. In terms of subscribers, everyone has adopted and accepted that it's going to be the future. I mean, cable TV is a dying business. Companies have now invested so much money into creating their own streaming setup and offering. And I think the next phase is really going to be weeding out the weak ones. You know, I reckon there will be consolidation in the industry, some M&A activity, and we will see some interesting moves by various studios and companies. Subscriber fatigue, as I mentioned earlier, is a real thing, you know, no one's going to be subscribed to four or five platforms, it's going to get annoying. Well, to be honest, it's already annoying. Um, So joint ventures acquisitions, whatever it may be, I do expect to see some of that within the next few years, as these companies start to get, you know, their streaming segments in full flowing operation. I think one of the biggest benefits companies can have at the moment um, going into the next few years is diversification in terms of income. The players that have income streams from the likes of entertainment, sports, news, et cetera, are probably the ones, in my opinion, that you know if they can successfully restructure and sustain profitability while producing good content. Um, and I can't stress how important producing good content is. Um, I think those are the companies that are best placed to win this race. Now, this is not to say in any way that, you know, Netflix aren't a front runner. Uh, The content that Netflix have pushed out, you know, the international production opportunities with Netflix South Korea and Netflix India, um, you know, they they obviously have the head start uh, in the streaming business. And, you know, none of that can be overstated. It might actually be too early to predict, but in my opinion, I think, you know, Netflix with about $8 billion in cash, they're frontrunners to make an acquisition that in some way or the other diversifies their income stream. I do also think one thing to keep an eye out for is the writer's strike. Now, I don't want to get into it too much. I mean, there's a lot of information on Google if you want to know more about it, but it does affect these companies. Um on a financial level. And if the directors and the actors after the guild for those two uh, sets of groups of people meet, if they also decide to go on a strike, then we're bound to see even more restructuring of how profits and income generated get distributed, you know, throughout the value chain. It's not something we can predict, but it's something we must prepare for because obviously the writers are necessary for these businesses to run. Um, We have no good shows, no good movies, no good scripts without them. And, you know, we may see lower profit margins as payouts start to happen at different stages to different parties. But I don't necessarily think that'll be a terrible thing in the long run. Just it would be different and it would take some getting accustomed to. Profits are super important as an investor, but I think at times it, it becomes all people look at. You know, in this industry, profits cannot come at the cost of content quality. It has to come in conjunction with it because otherwise the profit's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to last, which is why I think that companies should look to protect their employees, writers included, and also also adopt a quality over quantity strategy when it comes to, you know, outputting content. I would suggest keeping a close eye on how the next few years go with streaming and entertainment companies, as it does seem to be an industry with a lot of action and a lot of promise. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did make it this far, I thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Anurag Birla, and this is Finance Now.